something outside. What is that? a lot for work. 
And one of the criteria of moving to this area is we had to be able to get into the airport and we had to be able to get to an office, one of his offices. Um, having said that, we've never lived out or never lived in the country or the suburbs or anything like that. We've always lived out in the country, um, up in the mountains is, you know, a favorite place for us. Um, and so when we went searching for that, um, we came across the Long Bridge, you know, into Gig Harbor, that area, and discovered the peninsula. And um, so out in the peninsula is where we ended up being, and we loved it out there. And that's that's where this all takes place is out there in the Olympic Peninsula. And um, when we moved out there and was looking for a house, you know, our criteria again was we wanted to have lots of area around us. We don't want to look at neighbors, and uh, we're used to being in remote areas. But even so, saying that, you know, we didn't consider where we were living very remote. We moved into our home in September of 2013. Um, This home... uh, overlooks beautiful mountain ranges and water. Um, it's also nine-tenths of a mile up a dirt road with switchbacks. It's very steep. Um, it has deep ravines on all sides. Um, you can't see your neighbors. It's very, very dense, forested, um, densely treed, densely bushes, you name it. You, you can take a couple steps in and you can't see anything. Once we moved in there, you know, my husband would fly out right away. So we moved in September 15th, my husband flew out September 16th, and that's how often he traveled. So I'm there most of the time by myself, and um, I'm packing and doing different things. Um, Our dogs are all used to being up in the hills. They've had contact with all sorts of animals, deer, bear, and so forth. One of the first things you noticed, we noticed anyways, I noticed, was the animals acting different. There were times they wouldn't go outside, um, which was unusual for them. Um, Times they'd go out onto the, the porch or on by the door, but then would turn right around and come back in, which was very odd. And I was telling my husband, there's something around here that, that they don't like. And we were thinking maybe it was a cougar or something like that because it was not unheard of that summer they had a cougar up in that area. So that's what we were thinking it was. Then we started having some other things happen. Doors like into our uh, garage, which was detached from the house, would be open, and I would just assume he left it open, and he would assume that I left it open. We had a a half door that went underneath our house, and we would find it open at night. Just different odd stuff would happen throughout the the time. It it was just very strange, um, strange happenings. And it went on, and, you know, it wasn't like it happened every day or it happened, you know, just on, you know, so you're not totally paying attention to it, but you can, you just, some weird stuff, you know, then we started thinking, you know, we just didn't know what was going on. One evening on our way home, we were driving and we were coming home and we come off the main road and you hit a dirt road. As we're coming up the dirt road at the bottom, um, and I remember the date very specifically, it was September 5th, 2013, it was around the five o'clock hour, at that time frame where um, if you're inside the house and you're looking out, you're going to think it's dark. If you're outside, you, you understand there's a little bit of light there. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? If you're outside and you can you kind of see something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So we were going on the bottom of that road. There is a um, fresh water stream that comes out of the mountain, and it goes right under the road, and I think there's a culvert or something there, something there that lets it go under the road. And we were, um, and I have to be honest, we were had a, a or once every five-year little tiff argument that uh, we, neither one of us wants to look at it, each other. So we're, he's looking straight ahead and I'm looking off to the side and don't want to make eye contact. But as we were going through there, and I understand it's wintertime, there's 
uh, what do you call, divots in the road, and they're iced over, and Greg's trying to avoid them. And, um, you know, going very slow because we're coming up around our first uh, switchback. I noticed. <laughs> I get, I still get shaky, so I'm sorry. Um, right on the side of the road, it was almost even with me when I noticed, even with my door. And we were driving a um, forerunner, by the way, so a, a Toyota forerunner, so that, so that tells you the size of the vehicle. Um, I noticed what looked like legs, and like major big legs um, with, with great big calves, and then I, my eyes were going up, and it was almost everything was happening in like in slow mo. And I know it was, it was probably happening very fast, but something happens to your brain when something shocking happens, and it just I think your brain just speeds up. So it, it's um, I, I noticed the calves, and then I noticed the thighs and they were huge and and then I would I went back down and looked at the the looking for feet but I couldn't see the feet I could just see calves um the thighs and then looking up it was like a and I was getting different angles because we're going by it and also going up um I'm seeing a, bu- a bubble butt I call it a bubble butt it was a big big bottom and then I'm seeing the stomach area and the it tapers in it tapered in and then it flared out again almost like like a bodybuilder and it had these huge shoulders and then I look back down I'm looking at their hands you know arm am I seeing what I'm seeing I you know I I, I just couldn't comprehend what I was seeing and um, I saw hands I saw the, the arms and by then by the time I'm looking back at it you know going back up the body again um, I'm looking out the back window which is just slightly darker than the front part of the Toyota 4Runner so what happens, it's just that time of night where now I'm only seeing shadow. I'm not seeing um, the detail of, like, hair and muscle. Um, and we're coming, we're pulling away from it, thank goodness. But I see the outline. And it's your typical outline with these massive shoulders and the head. And the head almost seemed, the head seemed almost too small for the shoulders. And, you know, later on, I, I, I you know, I don't know what I was thinking then, um, why. I don't think I was thinking why. But later on, I, I you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's probably because the face dipped down into the, in the chest area as I got to know a little bit more. And, you know, by then, I'm just, I'm upset, and I'm I'm going, and I'm I'm swearing, and I never swear. It's like, effing, no effing way, is what I was saying. No effing way. And my husband starts pulling off the gas, and I'm like, no, go, go. And he's pulling up, and he's all immediately concerned what's going on, because I don't swear. I'm very upset. And um, no effing way. He goes, what is it? What is it? And I don't have the words of the vocabulary at that time to say what I saw. And the only thing that, I, that came out of my mouth finally was um, Bigfoot. And the reason, and, and it, it, to me it didn't describe it because to me Bigfoot is something that's commercialized. It's those cute little cutouts, it's everything else, but this was not a cute little cutout. This was something that was a breathing thing that was very well built and built for business, as I say. Um, it was built for that terrain and it was massive. And when I say massive, when it was right next to the vehicle, and when I say vehicle, it might have been 10 feet away from our vehicle. You couldn't see the whole, the whole Sasquatch. I mean, that's what I call it now, a Sasquatch, because it was towering over our vehicle. And it was standing next to a tree, and we don't know why it was there at that time. You know, maybe another car went by and we didn't see it. We just don't know. You know, we don't have all the answers on a lot of things, but that's what I saw. What happened after that is my husband drove back up to the house, he, he wanted to go back down, and, and I didn't want to stay at the house by myself because, you know, we're going up the road, and it's only nine-tenths of a mile from the spot we saw it. But he wanted to get the dogs to see if the dogs 
recognize something. And he wanted to have, you know, he's curious. He wants to know what's going on and have a look. But when we came back down, he wanted to roll down the windows, and I wouldn't let him. I was too frightened. And the dogs really didn't do anything. Um, so we went back up to the house, and I immediately called my sister and told her what happened. She never questioned me, never said anything. And she, she was teasing my husband to go outside and do uh, one of those howls. And, and he didn't do that. What he did is he grabbed um, two uh, pieces of sticks off of our, uh, we, have a, we had a wood-burning stove and have a wood-burning stove to clack them together. And he did that because she told him to do that too. And he went out there on the back deck and did that. And I was by the sliding glass door because I wasn't, I wasn't just prepared to go out. And understand everything's still crispy and, and white, frozen solid. So um, mm-hmm. the ground in the grass would be frozen solid too. And when he did that, there was footfall and away from the deck, on the left-hand side of the deck, heading back down. On the right-hand side of our deck, which, by the way, was you know the second story up, um, it's a second-story type deck underneath. is It's just a slanted. I'm going to get confused in a second, but... I'm going to confuse you guys, I should say. The the house is built on a hill, more of a hill. So we've got the first story is actually almost like a second story on the back side. So on the, on the right-hand side, there was some, some footfall, but there was kind of a grunt. And I know that deer can make a grunting sound, but it just didn't sound like a deer. And I ran inside, and, and Greg stayed out there for a second, but came back in. And, and so that was our first experience. That's when I saw, saw it. And um, that changed our life, my life specifically. Um, forever. Donna, I got a got a quick question for you. So, you guys had had this experience. What were your, your thoughts and knowledge on Sasquatch before any of this transpired? Uh, did you have an interest beforehand, or was this something completely new to you? You know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. You know, I live in Oregon. I, I've been and here and, and every place else. And you certainly heard about it, but it, there was no interest. I mean, I was busy doing other things. I'd always been in the backcountry. I mean, I wasn't. We didn't sit there and have any. It wasn't on our radar, really. I mean, it doesn't wasn't, you know. It's you know we. I know that we. Greg liked to watch some those shows sometimes about the. Um, and it's not like we had time to watch a lot of TV. But once in a while in the years, I think we watched what's that um, one show? Oh my word! I'm gonna get slammed for this. But the four guys uh, finding Bigfoot. I think we found watched that maybe once, and maybe one of those sci-fi things with the crazy hair guy. But it's not something that it was like. It's not something we researched. It's not something that we watched or it was it wasn't even part of our vocabulary i mean that's why it was so you know i i didn't know what to do we didn't know we didn't know anything at that point in time so it was just a complete shock i mean it's something that i even gave a thought to whether it existed or it didn't exist but it's not like we didn't hear about it either i mean you're in the pacific northwest when you grew up in the pacific northwest obviously you hear something about it at some point in time yeah um Obviously, we're talking, and I'm not sure if we covered this or not, we were talking about, you, you live in the state of Washington, so I just wanted to make that clear. And we'll leave it at that. Obviously, you mentioned the Olympics. For, for those listeners right. that aren't aware, the Olympics lie in the state of Washington. Now, so you have this sighting, and you got your, your husband now involved and, and others involved. When did things start to, when did you start to put this kind of puzzle together that these strange happenings around the house might have something to do with what you saw? Well, I think it was a complete shock to us that there was a possibility this thing followed us up to the house, and we realized probably from the bottom of the ravine up to our house, it probably is not that far, you know, from a straight shot, if it was coming up through the forest part. And then we started questioning other things. You know, is that why the dogs were looking right at certain times, you know, at certain times and so forth? And it really made us uh, start doing some research. Um, 
and of course you can't I cannot get out of my mind what I saw then and of course once you have that then you want to find out more I did and I wanted to know more and and so forth and, and research the area and one of the things is you go online and you start looking things up and some of the stories or some of the things just seem so far-fetched it's just like nah no way that's made up this isn't this that's not you know I saw something that was living breathing right there and so forth and it's who do you look to? I mean, you, you just don't know. Um, one of the books I read, and, I, you know, there's a lot out there, but some of them just seem too far-fetched at that time. I have to preface it that. Now they don't seem so far-fetched. I looked up this one book. It was called, and, and I always get the name wrong, so please forgive me. Is it 911 Missing or 411 Missing? 411? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I ordered that book. I'm a great Amazon person, by the way. When you live in a country, you become one. Mm-hmm. So... I ordered that book and I started reading and I started looking on the internet. And again, you know, you, you just don't know. I mean, you guys, anybody can sit there and put Bigfoot in there and so much comes up and you just, some of it just doesn't seem real because it's just so far-fetched at that point. So I would devour that book and completely steered myself senseless with that because of all the stories in there and why the person, why the author does not say what it is, you still get scared and you still think that it's a Sasquatch. I'm doing a lot of this stuff, or it has the possibility of being a Sasquatch. And, you know, when I'm by myself in a house, a two-story house, in the woods, a mile up a dirt road, and out in the country anyways, and you can't see your neighbors, and there's hardly any neighbors up there anyways. I think there's six neighbors on that whole mountainside, you know, by us. You know, it it does become quite unnerving. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we start having other things. I start having other things happen. You know, the... There, that little door, instead of just being open, you know, things were rattling it or, or pounding on the wall. I started having pounding on the, on the, um, uh, on the house and so forth. And finally, I, um, I reached out to the Derek Randalls of the, the project, and I said, you know, you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is what happened. And he was so good about everything. He ended up coming out, um, and I know in the beginning, you know, I sound pretty calm now, but in the beginning. I was a mess, and I'm sure I drove Derek nuts a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, for every little thing. And it wasn't like I was attributing every little thing to Sasquatch, but when you're when you're reading everything and you're not sure, I mean, he was really great about it. Um, he came out one time. We have, you know, when those latches on on a gate, we had a mm-hmm. um, we had a big. Um, um, it's not there now, but we had a big um, area that had a garden. And everything, by the way, was really close to the house. All the vegetation from the forest was right up close to the house. And one of the first things we started doing was clearing that out because the things were happening so close to the house. But something pushed on that gate. And when you, if you take a female finger and the, the pointer finger, and I know everybody's got different sizes of fingers, but that the bolt that goes in there, not the bolt that you lift up from, but the bolt action part, something actually stretched that out. It pushed on it so hard. It stretched it out, and it Jeez. didn't break it. It stretched it out, and so that thing would broke, and it would open. And um, Derek came and saw that. He was just amazed. that. I mean, that takes a lot of strength right there. And just the ends stretched out, and that thing stretched out thin enough that it just broke, you know, it came apart and pushed the gate open into the garden. That was, you know, one of the things that he came out for. Um, he came out, you know, to look at some footprints and stuff. And, and things were happening, and I was I was getting more unnerved as the time was going. You know, I, I had no idea what the research was about at that point. I had, you know, anything I found out, I was trying to ask Derek. And one thing I appreciate, nobody led me on what to say and stuff. They just waited for what I would say. And I think that's very important when you're doing 
and talking to people. And then you can really see what's going on. Um, and Derek was so good about, you know, he, he's got a good presence. He's very factual about what it is and what it could be and what it could not be. And um, I appreciate that because not everything is associated with Sasquatch. That happens around there. But he was he was very good about that. I had, you know, I was seeing things look at me with the eye shine in the, in the, into the windows from um, a very high up that, um, you know, those big eyes. I remember that by the garden and stuff. So all that got cleared out. And so when that got cleared out, that opened up another little area, a clearing we hadn't seen. And I was in down at that clearing area with my dogs at that point. And all of a sudden I started hearing, it wasn't talking necessarily, almost mumbling. And I was like, okay, that, that's weird because it's all nothing but woods down there. There's no houses down there. There should be nobody down there. And, of course, people start thinking at that point, okay, do, do we have a homeless person down there? You know, what's going on? Because it's mumbling. It's almost like talking, but it doesn't sound like words exactly. And at that point, you know, I called Derek. I said, this is going to sound like the most craziest thing. And I, and I know I'm going to make myself nuts because I, I had stopped researching on the Internet at that point because I was scaring myself more than anything. And so when I called him, I had never, I never read anything about this about the mumbling and stuff. And he goes, you know what, we, this is about time. I think you need to talk to David. And that's when David Ellis and I met a couple, a day or two later on the phone. And then David came out, and that's when the, his part of the story begins, too, as well. I think our, our stories are jointly at this point because um, before that, you know, I was just kind of out there blundering around. And then he really helped me, helped me get through a lot, actually. Yeah, and how did you um, find Derek Randall's? Was it through your internet searches, or did somebody yeah, mention exactly. him? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you know, this is only my perceived perception, so no offense to anybody, okay? When I did the research, you know, the, the BFRO stuff comes up, and I don't know anything about them. It's a great big national thing. And I see, um, and I see um, the Olympic project, which I noticed was local. And in my mind, mm-hmm. okay, it's got to be some little person, local person, you know, whatever it was. I just didn't think it was a big organization that it was. And it, I was really shocked when I dialed that number. I thought I would get the voicemail, or but Derek answered the phone um, right away, mm-hmm. which was nice. So that's how I wow. found him, just on the, on the Internet. And just because he, um, he happened to be local to the peninsula, you know, not necessarily close to me, just to the peninsula area. Right. And, that was, and that research is, that's the area that they work on. So that, that to me, was why I, I chose to reach out to them. And they've been great. They've, you know, respected yeah. our privacy. That was a good thing you did. You couldn't have, you couldn't have found a better group. Oh, my word. Um, it's a godsend. Yeah. They are a great group. So let me ask you a question. Do you – we'll get back into we'll, – we'll go into David coming into the story. But I was wondering, have your neighbors ever had any experiences on their property or – have you even spoke to them about it, or? Oh, you bet. Um, well, not. I, I shouldn't say you bet. You know, one thing we're we're very cognizant of is, first of all, sounding crazy. You know, my husband's position is, is, is he's in charge of a lot of things. My position is I don't want to be the crazy person. Um, <laughs> and so um, there's two two things that happened. Um, above us, you know, we have deep ravines by us. Um, above us, on the top of the hill, there's only two houses up there. Two. Yeah, two, maybe oh, maybe three, you know, at the very top. And understand that the smallest piece of property is five acres, so it's not like these are small properties. And it's very densely wooded between the houses, so you're not seeing them, and you really rarely hear anybody. Um, it was a little old lady. Now, when I say old, she was at that time probably 80, I think she was 89 at that time, 88, 89. 
And they, her and her husband stopped by after we um, had been there, after I had seen what I had seen. And um, it was that spring, and she was came by, and they stopped by, and, and they only came, you know, certain times a year. They were not there during the winter. They were the snowbirds. Um, and that's another thing, you know, a lot of people would leave mm-hmm. for winters and be gone, and it would only be, yeah, and on the house, I should say this, and I'm, I'm sorry for not saying this in the beginning. Our house that we moved into was empty for four years. It was only visited maybe twice a year. It was used as a summer house or an extra house for these people. So it was basically empty for four years. And before that, the people that owned it before that, they only lived in it part-time. So this house was never fully occupied the full time until we actually moved there. So that, that gives a little bit of background. And, and um, Yeah, and, that's kind of interesting just, because somebody, it sounds like somebody kind of liked that area. And then when you guys came there, things started happening and kind of quick. Yeah, it was very, it was very, um, very private. And you could be in that, ha- in that house or on that property and things could happen around you and nobody would see you. I mean, if somebody else came to their home or somebody drove up and stuff like that. So the, the older couple, she was 89 years old. And I don't know how old he was. She was, she always liked to break how old she, he was, she was. Um, they came and stopped and talked to us. And we were surprised. We were talking about, she was talking about all the animals to be aware of that were around there. You know, like the, the coyotes and the deer and, and the cougars once in a while. And there's a bear that would come through there too and, and so forth. And sometimes something larger, she said. I said, what do you mean by something larger? She goes, mm-hmm. she just wouldn't say it. She just kept going something larger. It wasn't until I had talked to her and known her for a little bit and I was at her house just before they actually sold that place and moved. Um, you know, I said, you know, one question I've always wanted to ask you is what do you mean by something larger? And she just looked at me. And then she told me her story of how she was out. They have an apple orchard up there, a little one, and they have some berries. And she was out at the apple orchard, which was right next to the woods, and something large um, was in the trees. And that's what she said. I said, did you ever see anything? And she said, no. But she said it was very, very large. She kept saying it was very large. And but she didn't. She said she didn't see anything, but how she knew it was very large, I have no idea. And that's, she didn't really talk about it. And then uh-huh. the other instance was our neighbors asked us to come over to their place for dinner one time. And it's the neighbors that are very close to where I found, where I took David for the, the footprints and stuff. On the, in fact, they came with us. Um, and we would go out with them. They wanted, they invited us over for dinner because I had never been mushroom hunting there in that area. And they were going to shoot and show us where to go on that mountainside for uh, chanterelles. So we went over there for dinner and it was just, we never brought it up or anything. He was just talking and they had a fire pit out there by these, uh, by um, some very tall trees, which the tall trees there, old, you know, more of the old growth type trees that you get out there, which made it very clear underneath so you don't have a bunch of brush and stuff. So it's very easy walking through mm-hmm. it all. And he said that he and his son were out there. He kept saying that his son kept saying there's a, a Sasquatch going through there because they would hear noises. And they, he kept saying there's a Sasquatch there. And I don't know, and I said, well, why do you guys think that? And he says the sounds we'd hear and stuff, you know, the knocking and things like that. And we always thought the knocking was from, we, we just never paid attention to it, to be honest, but we did hear a knocking. And I'm like, okay. So then I opened up about my story. And so it was a little bit after that that we went chanterelle hunting. And when, when we went chanterelle hunting, the first major footprint that was castable, we found them. And they were with us that day, you know, when David came there the first time. And it was, it was the footprint, it was more than one. And I'd never casted a footprint before, but one of the footprints actually, you know, you had the 
the one one footprint, and then you know what would take a large step, but another one was actually on top of a a tree that root system that was actually rotting a bit, and you could see where that foot kind of wrapped around the tree itself. You know that that part of the tree where either either pushed off or stood there, and it just you know the there was flexibility in that foot. Um, it was amazing. I just didn't know how to cast it. We did try to cast that one footprint, and I had no idea how to do it. I had what I thought was the right casting material. It was I made it too wet, and we poured it in, and it wouldn't set up, and it was a moist day, of course, because you have the chattrails out there. And so it was going to, you know, we decided we'd cover it up the best we could, wait and come back the next day and see if it set up, because it was not setting up, and the darkness was coming by really fast. So I put a plastic uh, baggie over it that I had the casting material in. I had to go home, by the way. We went home and came back out to do it. It wasn't with us because it wasn't something we had on our radar. And then I put um, a little stick over it, and, and um, I put it was um, I took a piece of bark off of something else and put it over that too. The next day when we went to go get that, right next to all that right there was another footprint, another set of footprints. So something within 24 hours had gone through there again. Mm-hmm. And it just blows you away how, you know, that you're, you realize you're yeah. standing in a place that within less than 24 hours, something was there. And it, it's, it's a, I, it just gives me the chill even now. Um, but beyond that, the trail that we took to go through that spot, to get into that part of the woods and, and to come out, something had taken um, tree branches, um, and those tree branches were from the, not the evergreen trees, but those other ones that grow out there. I can't think of the name right now. Um, when David comes on, he might remember. And they had taken, and these branches are not too terribly thick. And somehow, without breaking it, they, however it does it, it jammed them into the ground a good six inches and some, and, or more. These tree, tree branches actually trying to block our path from going back in. Um, and these huge ones, and we've got pictures of it. I'm sure you guys will be posting up too. And the trees that were jammed in there were not from that specific area. It's not like they fell out of the tree and hit the ground. It's just amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it means that somebody had to have either watched us or maybe the yeah. smell or something, whatever it is, but they knew how we came in there, which is, again, the chills. The story is truly it's unique and amazing, and and just yeah, I couldn't imagine being a homeowner in an area such as that and having this ongoing stuff going on. You had the stuff prior, and then you have the the sighting, and then you have more stuff happening. And you've done all this research, get a hold of Derek Randalls, who eventually points you in the direction of David Ellis. Uh, let's get into uh, let's get into uh, David Ellis's role, and you guys have really, I know, become good friends, and he's been very active in helping you along this investigation. Let's get into David came out to the property, obviously, and, and what was da- David's initial? And maybe we'll get him on the show here to talk about this. But what what did you see out of David Ellis right off the bat? Was there something you disliked, you liked about the guy, and and what did you notice from him? And then what was his experience at the property? right off the bat? Well, the first thing I noticed is this guy is extremely well prepared. I mean, he comes in with, you know, he drives up in his little Subaru or whatever it is, Toyota or something, and um, I forget, I don't know name brands very well. And he's got the stick to take measurements, you know, how high it was. He's got all this listening equipment. He's got a backpack that's packed with everything you could ever think of. Very well prepared. 
you know, not what I expected. I, I don't know what I expected, but he came ready to do some 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 work. And we had talked a few times even before he came out there. And I'll, I'll give you one instance, and, and I think later on in the program we'll probably have recordings of this, or, or not of the exact thing because we weren't recording then. But later on, you'll, you know, we heard the voice, hear it happen again. But right from the get-go, he was very open, and he was very, Donna, give me a call anytime you want. You know, I know that you're there by yourself most of the time. If you or Greg, and let's get Greg talking too, you know, because Greg would have experiences too. Call me anytime. I'm here. You know, I know that this, you know, I know that you guys are probably going through a lot. You know, you know, I can't imagine being there by yourself, which I was for the majority of the time. My husband traveled 90 to 95% of the time back then. So it was the majority of the time. And I remember calling him, and he said, call me anytime. And I remember calling him. I had, um, I was going to let the dogs out on our side deck. Um, I didn't like to let them out in the courtyard area because I couldn't see them went farther out. I'm on the side deck I kind of could see. And as soon as I opened the door, I heard this noise. And I, and they came immediately. The dogs came right back in. They didn't want to be out there again. And the noise I heard, I didn't know how to explain it to David, but by banging on my stomach, it sounded kind of like that. And from that, you know, you know, I called him, and then he would send, you know, something that it sound kind of like this. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's it. You know, that's exactly what it was. And at that point, you know, he goes, Donna, that was a, a gorilla chest beat is what I sent you. And so, you know, very from the very get-go, he was willing to work, you know, willing to listen, willing to be there if I needed him or was scared before he even came out on the property, which I really appreciated. He had not met me yet during that small portion of time because it took him a week or two to come out to the property. When he came out to the property, we went and the neighbors came with us, you know, that had that experience because their house was right next to these tall words too as well um we went out there and when we went out there the first thing he heard was well the first thing he heard when he opened the, the door and came out he said he heard a knock and i hadn't paid attention i didn't know anything about knocking very i had i mean i kind of read it but i didn't really understand it didn't think about it and then when we took him to go where the um where that track was he wanted to go there you know after us showing him different things around and so forth around our property but the last track um, that was castable, and I showed him the, the cast part, which was crumbly because it was the lousiest cast you've ever seen. But he went there, and he goes, do you mind if I try something? And he does something with his mouth, and he pops it, and it sounds like a knock. And the, how he does it, I don't know. I've tried it, and I have no luck. But he did that, and immediately there was a response. We were just like, oh, well, you know, here we are in, in the woods. In fact, I've got pictures, and I took a picture of David Ellis in the exact spot he was doing it in and, and some other pictures, you know, so you'll be able to see the woods that we were in. And, and the same time of day, the sun was kind of setting down at a certain point. And then he did it again, and it, and it came from another spot. And this, and, and then he did it again, and it came from another spot. And what was actually it was doing, it was it, this whatever, you know, and I always try to be careful because I only know a couple things for sure. I know what I saw. The other part, I think, is always up for interpretation. But what I believe was a Sasquatch was actually trying to flank us and come around and back of us. And down, and then back of us was down in the ravine where something had come out and made those tracks. And it was to be there, I mean, and to hear it. And even though there's, like, 
five of you there, it's still pretty scary. Or four of us actually were there. It's still pretty scary because after you've seen one, you realize, you know, if it wanted to, it could have gotten a car that time. You know, if it wanted to tear you apart, it would. So it's, it's again, it's you, you know right where they're at once you know your property and you know the area, and it's pretty unsettling. I'd like to uh, I'd like to bring David on because I think this is a great meshing point where you kind of explain the the background, everything you've been through, and getting Derek involved and now. David Ellis is now involved. David, I know you're with us right now. Going into this, when you know when Derek kind of passed the, the baton on to you, what were your expectations going into this? And, and having said that, what was your experience right off the bat coming into this property, into Donna's area, and, and hearing her story? Um, it, was, uh, it, it was great to have the, the prelude to Derek. He filled me in on everything that he had been doing with Donna, he said I'd been over to her house and met her husband, Greg, several times, and that um, she was going to be a real reliable witness. But he said, David, they've got something over there that talks. <laughs> and, wow. and now I'm out of it because you're the, you're the audio guy. You, get, you need to get involved. So I started communicating with Donna and Greg via email. We had sent some pictures and some things back and forth. And it was probably what maybe Donna t- ten days later or so that yeah, I was actually kind of was week or two. Able, yeah I so we had plenty of contact um, via email prior to me actually meeting Donna and Greg but when I got but there, I, I think I think we uh, talked a few times I think we talked a few times too because remember the the um, when I remember yes. I called you and said the the beating on the stomach I had just told him that story yes yeah yeah we'll get to playing those. Because uh, we actually <laughs> ended up recording some chess beats, so it's it's more than just a story; it's documented. So that's that's what's great about doing the process with Donna is that she was so willing, and you you don't find this often, but she was so willing to find the truth that she was willing to do what what was necessary. And I had asked both of them, "Would you be willing to record?" And that's that's how we we got started on a process and I said now if we're going to start doing recording we want to record um, every night as often as we can as you know if you if you're around and if you remember just to set up the recorder it's only going to be a benefit if you can do that because we need to know what's going on around your house because not everything is Bigfoot and we have to identify all of that you know the typical ambient sounds and they had loons they had ducks they had Bobcats, they, uh, coyotes, dogs. Oh my word, the dogs! Um, there must have been 110 dogs. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I exaggerate. But anyway, you get the point. There's there seem to be more dogs than um, could possibly be living on that mountainside, <laughs> which is interesting in and of itself. But um, right. they were so down to earth, and I could see in their eyes and the demeanor that we're, we're not your typical Sasquatch couple here. Uh, we just assume you prove that it wasn't a Sasquatch that's around my house because I, I live here and I, and I really want to have peace of mind. So if we can just kind of narrow this down to this is my overactive imagination, I would be really pleased. <laughs> so it, it was um, quite different than uh, witnesses that are – you know, everything that they hear, 
you know, you hear a coyote. Well, that's a that's a Sasquatch vocalization. Um, Donna and Greg were quite the opposite. They would hear something and go, "Well, what what could that possibly be? That's not what we think it is." So, from that standpoint, it was really great to be working with uh, Donna and Greg. But yeah, do we want to you know, jump in and play a, a, a chess beat that was recorded? Because that's the very first thing that got me actually involved was Donna hearing this particular sound. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've been talking about it. Let's go ahead and play the chest beat drumming or drumming. Now, this is looped five times, uh, as is most of this audio. Is A lot of this audio we're going to be playing this evening is looped. Right. We'll go ahead and play. Yeah, the interesting thing about the first one you're going to play is that it, there is a cupping sound to it. You'll hear kind of a, a popping sound to the it's not just a slap. Um, and if you listen to gorilla chest beats, they do have their hands cupped uh, when they're beating their chest. So this, this first one really has my attention. And here we go. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to do an information search on the internet and go look for a gorilla chest beat, it would sound something very similar to that. We also have what you have labeled as sent to me a fence scrape or chest slap. Give a little context on that, and then I'll go ahead and play that. Sure. There was a situation where Donna and Craig they have a six-foot-tall fence where something uh, was dragging brush and sounds that were uh, very odd up and down that fence. So uh, we're, we, we try to put all sounds through the ringer. In other words, we, we try to come up with all sorts of different things that it could be, including they had some miniature goats for a while, and sometimes um, they would uh, flap their ears and make a slapping sound similar to this. So we would make sure that we weren't, you know, guessing or uh, going in a I different mean, every, direction. Every, yeah, everything that we, we did, like the, the slapping of the goat ears, stuff, we always recorded everything so that we had something to compare it to, so that we knew we weren't mistaking anything. And, and um, you know, we do... And David and I would go back numerous times, especially, you know, stuff that happens in the middle of the night, you know, I'm I'm not listening to it or I can't hear it except for it's happening in the middle of the night or something. And, and David and I would spend nauseating amount of hours uh, discussing stuff about what it could be. Um, Here, Donna, try and do, you know, bang on this or try and do it this way, you know, make this sound and record it, make that sound and record it. What does it sound like? So we could try and figure out what some of this was. And some of it we just never figure out, or some of it we go, hey, that's what that was, or, or something like that. And the, and the things going up and down that fence line, um, Greg would have his, Greg had his chair then by the window, and um, the first time that happened, I was upstairs, he was downstairs, and something took a stick and went, and he was right there, and just, it's like they did it as hard as they could, just ran really fast right up that fence line, dragging that stick with them. It was it was very loud. But now, one of the things that I need to um, emphasize here is that I don't just listen to the audio; I uh, view it visually uh, through a software it's called Sonic Visualizer, which converts the audio into a visible spectrogram, 
which gives way more information than your typical wavelength. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. If you, if your listeners want to look up what a spectrogram looks like, you, you, you see far more details to the point of actually being able to identify something visually and not actually hear the vocalization or the sound itself. You can tell exactly what it is by just looking at it. And um, I showed Donna how to do this, so she got pretty darn good at it, too. Oh, you're still the master, David. Yes. <laughs> so the second one that you're going to play here is we were on the fence, so to speak. Is this a fence scrape or a chest slap? And here we go. What's interesting is it's the same darn pattern, right? So if it's a fence scrape, it knows when to stop. <laughs> and um, and, the, and it's the same, you know, number of beats as the, the typical chest beat. Speaking of, of visually looking at this stuff, you know, obviously everybody hears things differently and your ears can play tricks on you and they can lie to you and you have this, you know, you're listening to something and it sounds like something you've heard before or whatnot, but visually looking at something, it's a lot harder to play a trick on the eye. And, and actually with, with Sonic like Visualizer and some of these other programs, you can actually see the variances and the differences and it, it speaks for itself. Yes. Oh, definitely. And, and yeah. you know, when we were on the fence and stuff, I mean, we would he would always say, load it up, Donna, you know, and we'd both sit there and, and go <laughs> through it and stuff like that. And, and we'd spend a lot of time doing that. I mean, all these, there's, one of the things that maybe we should point out is that I, I would go out every evening and plug this in about the same time, which was dusk time, every evening. And we did this for about three years um, with very few days break, you know, if I, if I went someplace or something like that. But it was always plugged in and always at dusk. And so we had so many hours to look at. And without some of this equipment here, and in the beginning I'd listen to it all, but without some of the, the mm-hmm. programs and stuff, we would have been listening but visually, these things, when you load up uh, load these stuff in the um, visualizer, very easy to pick something out that something's happening or looks different visually instead of having to listen to it. And David's really good about taking a whole evening, and if there's not much happening, he can be done in a few minutes. What happened, of course, it takes a lot longer. I mean, some nights are more active than others. So looking at the, the two... The two sounds that we just heard, visually, they're a little bit different, and that's why we're on the fence. That's interesting. No, it's really a... Yeah, where does the story go from here? I mean, we got a lot of audio to play. I know you guys have a lot to to share. You you guys are... David's recording... You guys are recording this stuff. He's visually looking at it. Where does it go from here? Yeah, I'd like for Donna to talk about the whoopee voice, as we'll call it. (laughs) Uh, That is something that got Greg's attention and speaking of fences, he was still kind of on the fence about any of the audio that we were recording until this happened. Mm. This was um, very early on in the recording, like I'll say within the first month, I, I think. And I was listening to the recordings, and um, I fell asleep at night sometimes listening to the recordings and so forth and, and trying to get used to the sounds. Because every single place, whether you're in a jungle, whether you're in a forest and stuff, has their own unique sound, and that includes your home, um, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's stuff. But what you're about to hear now... <laughs> I, I was just like, I was dumbfounded. I almost fell off the ground, except I was on the ground when I first heard this. Um, <laughs> and then the immediate thing was, is that, is it too late to send this to David? Because it was just like, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. And 
I think it's going to blow you guys away too. Um, I don't think we've ever played this anywhere else, so I can't. Be, I think that's right, correct, David? Yeah, uh, it, uh, there may be one other place, but that's okay. Yeah, so I, I go ahead and, and listen to it. So it's 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 amazing stuff to me. It is. It just yeah. blew me away. I, I was just dumbfounded. I'm going to play it, but I want the audience to know that as we play this audio, it actually gets weirder and weirder. <laughs> so because there's there's a it, it's going down the rabbit hole here. Uh, yeah, and it gets. Let's roll it, up. It, Hang it, on. So yeah, hang on. We're gonna I'm gonna play this this uh, particular sound clip now, and here we go. Donna, is somebody injured at the end, end of your property? Did they need rescued? What's going on? <laughs> well, think about this. Think about I'm putting yeah. my recorder out on my deck at night because I refuse yeah. to go any further than my deck. I don't go at that point. I don't go out at night by myself after what I saw. I don't go out in my courtyard. When Greg is gone, when it's dark, I'm in my house on the second story. Um, I, seriously, I would go up on the second story because I did not want to be on the bottom story. I would go out at dusk time. I'd put the recorder out on my deck and then come back inside and go upstairs. So think about how loud you're hearing it. Think about how close that had to be to the recorder. Right. And that's right. what blows yeah. me away. And that was the boy. I mean, when I heard that, I was just like, my mouth dropped. It's still dropping. And you talk about going down the rabbit hole. I mean, what? <laughs> what could it be? Seriously, if anybody has any answers, I'm open for it because. What this is, what this actually is saying about what's there at the property is, is mm-hmm. pretty uh, amazing and dumbfounding. And when Greg heard it, he was just floored. Um, yeah. And there's no explanation. I, I there's there's I'm, I'm so dumbfounded. I don't know. Well, what does it look like on a spectrogram, David? Um, it 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 doesn't look like a human voice, mm-hmm. which is uh, something you would expect, right? Because it sounds human-like. So you would think, okay, let's load that up and prove that that's a person. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so visually, it doesn't doesn't look like a person. Wow. The other thing that we did is uh, we uh, I recorded Donna and Greg at various places on the property saying the same thing, one mm-hmm. in a normal voice and one in a loud voice. And the only thing that came close was when Greg got, oh, within we'll say a hundred feet of the recorder and mm-hmm. uh, was saying it very loudly, as loudly as he can. When we say very close, we mean very close in volume, not, not the, how it looks like on a spectrum. Yeah, but you could see that Greg's voice visually did not match or look like anything that the whoopee voice looked like. So, I mean, we, we not only have something that sounds weird, we got something that looks weird. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's it's yeah. it's two different things. Even though even that being said, we we shelved it because there isn't anything in the Bigfoot world that sounds like this. So you know to come out and say, hmm, we think we have recorded a Bigfoot voice here. You know you're going to get laughed off the stage. So we just kind of mm-hmm. shelved it and and waited to see maybe maybe we'll hear it again. Well, sure enough, 
um, that there was a voice that was kind of prominent around the area. And we've got three more uh, uh, whoopee voices of audio to play. So I was going to say the next one you're going to hear is actually, I believe, is the one going down down the um, yes. valley. Um, that I heard in yes. person as well as recorded it. So this is at dusk time. And so I was playing, I was, I was putting out the recorder like I usually do. And it was, you know, it was quite a bit later than the first time we'd done the, you know, recorded the first one because that was very early on in recording. This was about mid-time. I can't remember the time. And, um, you know, at that time I, I got better at getting the thing out, putting the time of day like I always did. But, you know, whether something happened during the day, what the tide level might be, maybe the moon because we started keeping track of all that. And then I stayed on the deck for a minute to do something with the um, the flowers. I think I was walking or something. And then up in the bottom, a car started coming up the hill. And um, and then it started turning into the driveway that's kind of next to us. And then this is where I, I heard it as well as, and this is what you're going to listen to next. It, it also moves away. You can hear it. Uh, loudly at first, and at the very end, it's it's moving away really, really fast, and and you'll hear why it's moving away really, really fast. At toward the end of the recording, you can hear the electric gate opening and closing, and uh, and and the car itself. And by the time you hear the car in the electric gate, this thing is long gone and totally okay. silent. All right, here we go. It's about thirty. 30- Four seconds long. Here we go. where that sound is coming from, there's a deep ravine on our property. And it's deep, and it goes all the way down. If you follow that ravine all the way down, it dumps out right where I saw it. Very, so, very close proximity. Wow. Jim, we've, we've, we've walked that, uh, that um, little ravine. Oh, yeah. I'm aware of that, David. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know it well. <laughs> yeah. And and how uh, yeah. how when you get down to the bottom how it kind of is almost so private and there's an area that's almost like covered it's a perfect area. There there is a little parked out area that we discovered down there that was had my interest. Yep. Well, dang it, it's all interesting. Uh, once you get down there, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting, but it's all dang interesting, especially that particular yeah. area. But let's let's play let's get into uh, another recording here. Um, Denali Denali scared. Yeah. yeah. So um, we had actually um, invited a dog named Denali into her home, and she had, she was a puppy at that time. And she would we had a, um, a door that we could go in. They could go in and out by themselves onto the deck. And we were finding that she was sometimes running in, and we couldn't figure out why. So here, um, Greg, you know, we got better at as as our recordings went on. We got better at letting us and David know if there was something happening. You know, speaking out you know, and letting the, the recorder know so we can go back and check it. And this is how that happened in refining this and what was actually scaring Denali to, to bring the dog back inside through the dog door. 
um, onto the back deck. All right. I will play this, and then maybe we can get some input from David here. Here we go. David, I just let uh, Denali in, who is running in the house scared now. I don't know if you hear something before that happened or not. When you heard when you heard this recording, David, what were what were your thoughts? Uh, obviously, you know there's a lot going on there. Well, when I heard the recording, I didn't hear anything. Um, it wasn't until after Greg came um, back and said, "I just you know something scared Denali," that I went back and I started to review um, the sonic visualizer with different contrasts. And that's when I could barely see something. And that's what I captured. But if you notice that in the title of my, uh, of this audio clip, I have SL and Nero. And what that stands for is spectral layers, which is an editing process that allows me to enhance sounds and decrease sounds so that uh, we can kind of zero in on the voice. So I have actually enhanced the whoopee voice. It is loud enough so that you can hear it and understand it um, that you wouldn't if you would, were to just hear this audio played through. So that's another reason why I'm able to catch so much stuff here with Donna is that I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm, I, I'm able to find things. So, Actually, without their prompting, I, I may have missed this particular opportunity because it was so faint originally yeah. until I was able to enhance it and bring it forward. Well, one of the things, you know, when we're listening to this, you know, I always want people to understand that, you know, it's getting looped five times. So everybody understands that part. The other part of yeah. it is um, every single thing that you're hearing that maybe has been enhanced like that so that you can hear it, you know, picking it out and hearing it and bringing it forward – we always keep the original. We keep we have the original recordings in their original forms. So if there's any um, question on mm-hmm. how it was done or anything mm-hmm. that we've learned, oh maybe we shouldn't have done this, we can go back and then we have the original. And that's that's real important to always keep your original, I believe. Absolutely. Thank you, Donna. Absolutely. And kudos kudos to both you, Donna, and David for Donna for keeping the original. And I know David's got it as well. But mm-hmm. for for David being honest and, and you know I've heard a lot of stuff over the years over different airwaves and social media sites and whatnot. And you can tell that it's been doctored, it's been uh, blown up or whatever. And you're not really getting the context to it. And you, you know and a lot of people unfortunately aren't honest. And I really appreciate David because I know he's all about honesty and transparency and letting folks know that what he's done to the audio. And so, um, and, and Donna, of course, thanks for the, um, not just the context, but also uh, for <laughs> admitting that, hey, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So fantastic <laughs> stuff. And obviously, like we, and I'll reiterate this, uh, a lot of this audio, most of this audio is looped five times, so you're not hearing 
say, like that last clip we played, it wasn't um, a continuous thing. It was it was looped over and over again five times, and that's the way the audio is going to be played out tonight. Uh, so you can get kind of get a better feel, and you can actually listen a little bit longer to what we're playing. And so that's that's what's going on here. Uh, having said that, well, yeah, go one ahead. of the things that I found, uh, Shane, was that if you just play the sound once, the first comment somebody's going to say, "Could you play that again?" And so I decided that, well, if I loop these vocalizations and sounds five times, by about the third time, people have your mind has kind of latched on to what you're hearing, and and you you, you actually get more out of it. So there's a method to the badness. Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank you for pointing that out. That's why I do that. Well, let's uh, let's jump here to another clip here. It's called uh, More Whoopee voice it's it, it is of course loop five times and it's about 28 seconds long here we go David, what I'm starting to hear, yeah. I, and I've listened to these clips, but what I'm I'm starting to hear is there's a complexity here. There, there it's just more than yeah. just yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know you got feedback on this because it's exactly yeah. It sounds like well, the same voice too as the yeah. other. Well, one. yeah, that's yeah. that's that's it. It it is the same individual. Um, wow. And we have we have more. This is just four clips. I mean, we're kind of just work here. <laughs> so and visually, um, visually uh, these voices sound visually these those two voices from the Wookie Wookie and this one too look a lot alike. Yeah, yeah, it's the same individual. It's the same yeah. voice print, uh, just recorded on different occasions. So right, what right. does that tell you? It tells me a lot. Tells me a lot. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we have another clip to play here. If you guys want to give a little context beforehand, it's it's voices in the night. As it's labeled, uh, what's behind oh. this particular? Oh. Okay, we we gotta we gotta uh, we gotta we gotta set this stage. And unfortunately, this is where the story ends for this week. We leave David Ellis giving us a little bit of a cliffhanger there for next week's show. I hope you've all enjoyed this week's show. We'll be back again next week for part two, a continuation of this intriguing complex, and at times confusing story. Until next week, stay squatchy.
Radio. 